Hello and welcome to another edition of the Andrew Steele podcast. It's a special one. It's a Super Bowl edition. Yep, it's Super Bowl weekend. Biggest football weekend of the year is finally here. Always always seems to get a long time to get here and then when it does it, that week really goes quickly, I find. And, you know, it's it's been a busy week on Radio Row for those who, who are there, including today's special guest, Matt Verderam, who is the national NFL reporter for Fansided. Um, he's also the, the founder of Stack in the Box podcast, which is a must-listen if you're a diehard football fan. He's been at Radio Row all week and literally he's been rushing around, rushing around. I messaged him on, on Friday saying, is there any chance you can jump on the pod? He said, well, I can give you 15 minutes. True to his word, he jumped on. You could tell he was even running around then, gave me 15 really good minutes. It It's not the the quantity, it's the quality. And, and if there's any proof of that, is is this podcast you'll listen to? Matt was Matt was brilliant. I think even if you're a diehard football fan and you know all there is to know about the Super Bowl, you're going to walk away a lot smarter after this because Matt just just broke it down brilliantly. You know, so many matchups, so many storylines. Really, kind of went into the trenches, if you like, went into the weeds and really kind of dug down into the X's and O's and and. I, I was educated, just just listen to Matt. So that is coming up. Before we get into that though, and and look, again, all it's all about the Super Bowl this weekend. I'm excited again. I think if it lives up to the hype, I think it, it has the potential to be one of the best Super Bowls we've seen in the year. You know, Mahomes hurts, that Eagles front seven. If you look at it this way, the Eagles and the Chiefs, they were both in the top two for explosive plays. The and the Eagles led the NFL in sacks, and the Chiefs were second. So I think that tells you all you need to know about the quality of these two teams, how much talent they've got across the board, and I really do think it's going to come down to a mental um, battle in that that first ten minutes. I, I think whoever is the most successful at stopping the other team from from laying out their their, their game plan, and whoever is the quickest to adjust, because I think it's going to come down to in game adjustments particularly for the Eagles who who kind of have a you know they've had a lot of success with with having a flexible offense depending on who they're playing you know they they are dominantly a kind of ground and pound running game but again they that they rank in the top 2 in explosive plays so Hertz can also hurl the ball around as as well as almost anyone so I think whoever adjusts the quickest I think is going to have a real chance of winning this and I I'm just really really pumped but again We'll get to Matt quickly, um, and he will he he will break it all down for you be- better than I can. But as I said before, we do that. Unless you've been sleeping under a rock, there are other sports going on this week, despite it being Super Bowl week, and there's a lot that has happened. That takes us to the NBA, where believe it or not, the Brooklyn Nets have been causing headlines again, and yet. Yeah, the experiment is finally over. I, I don't think anyone's shocked that the whole Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant experiment didn't work. There, there were question marks even back when they signed in free agency in 2019. And hey, if you're a Knicks fan right now, I, I think you're probably a little bit happy. Maybe happy's not the word, but I think you're thankful, you're relieved that those two didn't end up in New York. We'll never know if it would have been the same result, but I I just think, especially with Kyrie, you you never know. The 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 guy is uber talented, stupidly talented. 
but I, I just think all the other crap just outweighs the good and obviously he, he's gone to the Mavericks now and you hope for Luka Doncic's sake that it's not another Kyrie sideshow because you you just fear that it's going to be a case of, you know, that sixth grader who comes in and gets the, you know, the perfect the, the perfect student expelled and, and, and pulls him off the track. And you hope that's not the case in Dallas. I, I think we've just looking at that experiment again, casting a kind of general, general eye back. Look, I, I think sometimes in life you, you have to risk it. You, you have to go all in. And I think Brooklyn obviously reached a point where they felt that they couldn't go any further unless they put all their chips on the table and and acquired two game changing superstars, and they, and they did. And then, when they realised that they needed a a, a third star a, a, to to complete that big three, they gave up the house for for James Harden, and it didn't work. You know, Durant, Irving, and Harden played just sixteen games together, and all Brooklyn has to show for it is one playoff series. That's all. And when you sign a player like Durant, who is one of the best players in the NBA. When you sign Irvin, who is as talented as anyone, and when you trade as many assets and key role players as they did for, for Harden, you need to be winning at least one championship, minimum. That That's that's just the bottom line. And So for them to come out of this with, with just one playoff series and, and their reputation severely damaged is... It's going to take a lot, a lot for them to come back. Because look, remember, before they... they they made those free agency moves in 2019. They were a really respectable team. They they kind of built the roster the right way. They were they were on the the up and up. They were on the come up the right way. They they were fun to watch. They were hard working. They had a, a a core of talented young players. And then again, they they kind of sold their soul to the devil. And and when you do that, it it doesn't always work out. And in and in 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 this case. It hasn't worked out. And they'll be picking up the pieces for a while. But I, I think I, I think we in sports do this as well. I think it's very easy at the moment to look at this with just a negative lens. And and you can't blame people for doing that because Brooklyn did, did bring this on the, on themselves. Look, they, they handed the keys to, to Durant and Irving. They they effectively gave the franchise to those two stars. And then to Harden when he came in, they got rid of a very kind of X's and O's coach in Kenny Atkinson, who was who was liked by his players. He was he was a hard ass. He was going to drive players hard. They got rid of him. They brought in Steve Nash and and eventually got rid of him too. And and they ran the show and and that is unfortunately what happens when you when you allow players to run your organization. Now that is a common theme in the NBA. Brooklyn is not the only one. It was probably the more extreme version. But I, it's not all bad. I mean, look, they've got four unprotected first-round picks from the, the Phoenix Suns in the Durant trade. So that's four unprotected picks in 2023, 25, 27, 29. And they've got an option to swap picks with the Suns in 2028. They got a first-round pick from the Mavericks for Irving in 29 and second-round picks in 27 and 29. They also flipped Jay Crowder to the Bucks for second-round picks in 28 and 29. So when you look at it from a big picture, when Sean Marks, the general manager, 
arrived in Brooklyn in 2016, they didn't have anything. But he rebuilt them and, and as I said, turned them into a really respectable team with a core of young talent that, that made the playoffs and they were a fun team to watch. So now you look at it, and, and, I, and I don't think Sean Marks is on the hot seat as much as people are making out. I think he'll at least get given a chance to rebuild this again. And he's going to have a bounty of of picks to, to, to rebuild his team. And not only that, but they've got some nice foundational pieces. Ben Simmons, where, where, you know, they could always flip him and, and see if they can get something for him. But they've got Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie again, Nick Claxton. So they've got some really nice pieces in place. And they've now got a chance to go in and really add some more young talent in the draft. And... And, and see where it takes them. So I think at the moment, and I do think, again, in, in sports media, we're kind of, what have you done for us lately? So for now, it's all doom and gloom, and we're going to judge the Nets for where they are now. But I think you do need to look at the big picture and, you know, <laughs> realise that they've now got an opportunity under Marks to to rebuild this thing and and get back to to where they were where they where they do have a group of talented young hard working players and if they can do that then i think they'll end up in a pretty good place as for durant look i think out of this whole experiment i think the one thing the nets won't regret is durant because when he was healthy and that was a big if because you know i think look he's 34 years old he he was coming off a really serious injury you know, so there's always going to be issues over health. But when he did play, he he played at an MVP level in Brooklyn. Um, he 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 played like the superstar he was. So I think that aspect of the deal, they won't regret. And and now he gets a chance to win another another ring in 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 Phoenix with the Suns, who have now got big three with with Booker and Chris Paul. So that that will be interesting to watch again. The Irving thing. Whether that works in, in Dallas remains to be seen. Whether he'll sign long-term there or, or sign somewhere else in free agency. But I think the other thing now is is the, the real danger of that is his legacy. And I don't think he gives a crap. I don't. I think he's he's incredibly unique. He's very self-assured. And, and I don't think he cares what people think. He especially doesn't care what the media think. And he especially won't care what a bum like me thinks. Which is fine. But I, I do think now... We're we're in a danger zone with Irving where he could end up being remembered more for his off the court stuff than his brilliance on the court. Because when he's on, he's he's one of the 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 best players, the most talented players in the NBA at the moment. The, you know the stuff he can do with a ball in his hand. I I don't think there's a more graceful player on the court when he's got the ball in his hand than than Irving. But again, it, it's all the other crap that comes with it. Um, I mean, you just you just look at his legacy in Brooklyn. He played 143 of a possible 278 regular season games, which is 51%. And and the Nets actually had a 57% winning percentage without Kyrie, which I think probably tells you all you need to know about about his his overall legacy in 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 Brooklyn. So I think yeah, that experiment is now over and done with. Um, it'll be interesting to see where where Brooklyn goes from here now, but I think they'll they'll certainly be taking the the long term view with this. And yeah, one of the 
one of the kind of most hyped, talked about experiments in in sports is is over, and I, and I do think there's a lot more to come out from this. I think we we've, we've seen hints over the last week that that maybe all wasn't well between organisation and and certainly Irvin and and maybe even Durant and. I, I do think this will be a 30 for 30 documentary on ESPN one day. I really do. Because I, th- I think, again, there's a lot more to come out from that. Um, a lot more details to emerge. And we certainly don't know the full story in terms of, of the, the craziness that, that, that happened there. Um, sticking on the subject of trades, there was also a big trade in the NHL. Um, Anyone who follows my work knows I'm a big NHL fan. I've covered the NHL. I've covered the New York Rangers. Um, so I'm very kind of in line with that market and with that team. And after the Islanders who traded for, for Bo Horvat before the All-Star break, the Rangers probably made one, you know, the biggest move before the trade deadline by trading for Vladimir Tar- Tarasenko for the St. Louis Blues. Um along with defenseman Nico Mikola. So they sent a conditional 23 first-round pick, uh, fourth-round pick in 24, which was also conditional. Sammy Blaze, who who goes back to the Blues, and prospect defenseman Hunter Skinner. I think that was a really good deal for, for the Rangers. Obviously, Tarasenko scored on his on his debut in his first shift for the Rangers, assisted by none other than Ar- Artemi Panarin. The, the two are friends, the two have a close bond. And, and I think that's an underrated part of this deal. I, I think there's a lot to be said for keeping your stars happy. Funny enough, we're talking about that after just talking about the Brooklyn thing. But I, I do think if you can surround your stars with, with players they're comfortable with, I think that makes a huge difference. And I think that line of Sabanajed, Panarin and, and Trocek, but um, Trocek, um, Tarasenko rather, obviously Trocek's having a, a great year for the Rangers. But I think that... That line and that partnership with Tarasenko and Panarin in particular, I think will be huge. Particularly in the playoffs. The, the playoffs are a different... I think in any sport, but t- but especially in hockey, the playoffs are a different game. It, it's, it's almost a completely different st- uh, brand of hockey in the playoffs. So I think Tarasenko, you know, he, he, he can play a hard-nosed, hard-edged game too. He, when he's healthy, again, there, there are issues over the health. He's missed a lot of time lately. But when he's healthy, he can score big goals. He can put up a lot of points. He's a playmaker too. He's got a lethal shot. And I think he'll be a game-changer for the Rangers. They they needed another piece. There were a lot of reports linking them to Patrick Kane. I think this deal effectively rules him out of the Patrick Kane sweepstakes. But it'll be interesting to see what, what other moves they make before the trade deadline. I don't think they're done. I think, I think purely by trading for a player like Tarasenko, that that tells you that they're all in, and you know they want to make another deep run. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals last year against all expectations, so I think they want to make another deep run. And it wouldn't surprise me if they added another forward or two to this to to this core. I think defensively they're they're fixed. Maybe they'll add a veteran depth defenseman just for the 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 stretch run and the, and the postseason because you can never have enough defensemen, particularly in the playoffs. But I think if they could add maybe another forward that can add a, a punch to the, the bottom six, add a scoring punch and, and add some secondary scoring, I think that they'll be set. And I think they'll be a real dangerous team down the stretch and, and then again in the postseason. So 
couple big moves this week. I think obviously the the trade deadline is on the horizon in in both the NBA and the NHL. We'll be on all of that. I think there'll be obviously the the, the trade deadline has passed in the NBA rather, but um, we've got the All Star game coming up in the NBA. We have the trade deadline on, on the horizon for the NHL. A lot a lot of big things to come. We're we're at that point of the year where you know obviously we've got the Super Bowl and then before we know it, it'll be the the NFL draft. Spring training's coming up in baseball. And then, like I said, we're done with this stretch run with both basketball and, and, and the NHL. So a lot to really keep an eye on coming up. But for now, we'll, we'll keep an eye on what's in front of us, and that is the Super Bowl. So I'm going to pass it over to my conversation with Matt Verderam from Fansided. And again, you're going to come out of this a lot smarter because this was, this was just great. And all you need to know about the Super Bowl, you'll hear from Matt. Enjoy. Matt, thank you very much for um, for joining me. I know this has been a manic week for you. You're you're, you're in Arizona, so how how has it been this week? What what's been your 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 feel while you've been there? It's been great. Uh, the NFL's done a great job. City Phoenix done a great job. It's been uh, really really uh, easy to get around. Everybody's been accommodated. As far as as far as the game's concerned, honestly, I I think you, know, you look at the two teams, and I think the one thing that probably notice a little bit. I don't know how much it matters in terms of how the game will turn out, but the Chiefs are about as loose as I've ever seen a team in the Super Bowl. This is my fifth year covering a Super Bowl. If they, they, if you didn't know anybody, you'd think it was like week two. I mean, they're just so relaxed. Not to say the Eagles have been tight, but the Eagles have seemed just kind of to have the appropriate amount of tension. The Chiefs just are very, very um, at ease. So, does that matter? Does that, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I, I don't know. But I, I think most people down here would agree with that. Well, that that was one thing I was going to ask you that, you know, come Super Bowl week, everything's dissected and, and you know, talked into a fine powder. But it, yep. it, is there something to be said for the fact that the Chiefs have been here before? They've, they've won one. They've you know they've they've been to the Super Bowl twice. Is it is that an advantage that they can they can take into this? I think it's an advantage. Um, is it is it an advantage? It's worth three points, seven points. It could be debated. I think I think it matters though because look, early in that game, I don't care who you are. There's jitters, and there, by the way, there'll be jitters for the Chiefs too. It's not like every single one of these guys has been to the Super Bowl, so. There's going to be jitters on both sides. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time the Chiefs got in with this current group. They played the 49ers a couple of years ago. And you know, the Chiefs' first drive, it was a three and out. You know, and, and they, you know, the Holmes missed the read he should have made. There's a little bit of that. It's just overwhelming. You know, if that, normally a team travels for a road game. They get in on a Saturday. They play on Sunday. They leave after the game. Show. Like, you get down here. You're here all week. And you are yep. inundated with questions and media requests and family requests. And I, Anything you could think of. So I think just the encompassing of the whole week matters for these for, for the Chiefs and for the Eagles. Whereas I, I think the Eagles are probably going to have a little bit more of an adjustment period on, on Sunday night where the Chiefs will be a little bit more at ease knowing, yeah, we've, we've been here, we've done it, kick the ball off. I, I want to dive into some, some matchups and storylines with you. You know, you, you, you break down the X's and O's as, as better as anyone I know. Um, and obviously the 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 main conversation is always going to be around the quarterback, especially when you know we're talking about Patrick Mahomes. Uh, 
sure. I think one thing a lot of people have, have noticed with, with Mahomes this year is obviously the, the highlight reel plays are still there, but he seems to have really kind of honed in on the simple side of the game. And he's really kind of done a nice job of 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 adding that to his skill set in, in terms of maybe not always playing the, the, the superhero. So what do you expect from him Sunday in comparison to the guy on the other side in, in Jalen Hurts? Yeah, I think, you know, look, uh, Mahomes has been unbelievable. Sure, he's thrown for 5,200 yards, 41 touchdowns, MVP of the league, obviously. And a lot of that has been that he's taken what's been given. Uh, they spread the ball around a lot more than they used to. It used to be if Hill, if Kelsey, if everybody else. Yeah. Kelsey's certainly the, the main man. I mean, and nobody would deny that. But after that, there's a lot more uh, in the weaponry department from Mahomes than there used to be. It's Smith Schuster, who almost had 1,000 yards this year. It's MBS, who had a career year. It's Pacheco and McKinnon in the backfield, who is a duo, uh, is really, really dynamic and, and, and versatile. Um, it sees two and three tight end sets that the Chiefs use. They're, they're really good at it. I mean, they are really good when they go with Jody Fortson and Noah Gray and Blake Bell and you know some combination of those guys with Kelsey because they're versatile. They can block. They can catch. They're good in the red zone. They're, they're good to use on third down. Um I, but I think, you know, the one thing that gets lost in this is, you know, the Chiefs are kind of, all year really, have been made out as this team that, well, now they play a little bit more of a dink and dunk style. The Eagles have 80 explosive plays this year, of, of plays of 20 or more yards. Yeah. The Chief, and, and that's second in the league. The Chiefs have 83. Like, nobody gets more explosive plays in Kansas City. So, while they certainly are better at taking some of those check down throws instead of forcing it, they're still more dangerous than anybody in the NFL when it comes to getting chunk plays in a hurry. I, I mean, these these teams are, are are really well matched. I think the exciting thing about the championship games this year was you you looked at the four teams left standing, and they were they were the big boys. You know, they they all they were all there yep. on you know, and and I think you look at this matchup and you know, in terms of sacks, the Eagles led the league with seventy, and you know they they're the only team in the Super Bowl era to. To have four players with double digit sacks, you know, Kansas was second. So, for you, when we nail down to the, you know, we really dig down to the the X's and O's of this, what will kind of define Sunday for these teams? I think the Eagles have to win up front consistently to have a shot to win this game. And I know that there's a lot of talk been made about, hell, the Eagles are getting picked by more people than not. Um, if they don't get to Mahomes all night long, and I don't just mean like a hand in his face. I mean get to him, sack him, bring him to the ground. They're going to have a long night on defense. Because one thing about the Chiefs, they can play any way you want to play. They can spread you out. They can run two and three tight end sets, as I mentioned. Uh, they can go two by two. They can go three by one. They can they can play they can play condensed formations. They can play spread formations. I mean, that team, if they find a way to mitigate Philadelphia's pass rush, and I have a feeling the way they're going to do, it, I think they're going to play spread this game. I think the Chiefs are just going to spread them four and five wide, and say ball's coming out in two seconds. Good luck. And Philadelphia behind that typically plays a ton of zone defense. If they do that in this game and they can't get home, I think they're dead in the water. Now, if they can get home, if they do a nice job behind it, maybe Gannon throws some wrinkles in there, and they can get home, then it becomes a game very much, I think, in Philadelphia's favor. I think that's going to be the tipping point. But, no, look, the Eagles have 
in my opinion, best pass rush in the NFL, the best mm-hmm. offensive line in the NFL. The finding is the Chiefs are probably second in those categories. I mean, the Chiefs are the second best offensive line. Both teams had three pro bowlers up front. Both teams had two all pros on the offensive line. Uh, Jones is the best player defensively in this game, period. But the Eagles have the, the deeper rush. Chiefs finish, as you point out, second in the league with sacks, it's sacks 55. Uh, I think the Eagles have to decisively win up front. If they don't do that and it becomes even or somehow tilted in Kansas City's favor, I think it's a very hard game for Philadelphia to win. In in terms on the other side of the ball for the Eagles, you mentioned their expo their explosive their explosive play. Sorry, um, but yep. they they've done a really nice job all year. I think have kind of been able to adapt their offense to to what they're facing on the day, and we know that they can they can run a really effective you know ground and pound run game. What 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 for you will be their most effective weapons on day? Yeah, you know, look, the Eagles are a really diverse team. They, they, they present a lot of problems. A great offensive line. Hurts is that dual threat. You've got you know, two big-time receivers on the outside. Goddard's a really good tight end. Sanders certainly has had a great year running the ball. I think what's going to be interesting in this game is, look, the one guy who has a lot of experience up front, in fact, they have a few guys, but one of them, I should say, is Jason Kelsey. Um, mm-hmm. And Jason Kelsey being the center is going to make all those line calls. This is going to be a fascinating mental matchup between Jason Kelsey and Steve Spagnuolo, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, because I will be very surprised if the Chiefs don't just relentlessly go after Hurts with pressure in this game. They are going to try to light him up with five and six guys. There's going to be times they're going to show an all-out blitz, and then they'll drop it. Then they'll show an all-out blitz, and they'll bring the whole thing. Um, you know, If you look at their playoff games, there were times where they were dropping 340-pound defensive tackles into zone coverage and blitzing safeties over the center. I mean, they just, they do a lot. Hertz is not going to see all that stuff. He's just, he's young, and he hasn't seen uh, Spagnuolo very often in his career. Now, Kelsey, Kelsey's seen Spagnuolo. And Kelsey's seen 10, 12 years of, of NFL offenses. So he's going to have to be the one who identifies it and identifies it in time. If he identifies before on the play clock left, it doesn't matter. He's got to get up that line. That's going to be a big thing in this game. Philadelphia's going to get to the line of scrimmage 15, 20 on the clock so they can identify and diagnose. If they're late getting out of the huddle, then that's an experience thing, you know, potentially. If they're late getting out of the huddle, they get up to the huddle, they're out of the huddle, there's seven, eight seconds on the clock, and they can't adjust, it's a major problem. So, look, I think for Philly, the game plan on offense has got to be run the ball, stay ahead of the sticks, and then they don't throw the ball a ton to their backs. This is a game where they might need to you know, throw the screen pass, throw, you know, get the ball out quick because they're, they're not going to have too many plays in this game where the Chiefs aren't bringing some kind of pressure look. And so I think it's important for them if you want to slow the Chiefs down, swing the ball out, let Kenneth Gainwell get involved, let Sanders catch a few passes. That would go a long way toward making the Chiefs having to play them a little bit more straight up. You you mentioned his name earlier, and I, I wanted to bring him up. Chris Jones is this, is this setting up to be his statement game for what's been a statement season? Yeah, look, I mean, he's been unbelievable this year. Obviously, he was a defensive player of the year nominee and a finalist. Um, he's been, for my money, the best interior player in the NFL this year, and it's really not close. But Hargrave's been excellent for Philadelphia. But yeah, you know, what Jones has done this year is on an entirely different level. It's been it's been ridiculous. I mean, you go back and you watch against Cincinnati in the AFC title game, he destroyed the game. Cincinnati's good blind. It didn't matter what they did. They, there were there were plays against Cincinnati legitimately where they, they triple teamed them and he still beat all three guys. So this is going to be a, a game where, yes, if you're the Eagles, again, 
Your thought process if you're Philly on this is not going to be the, hey, we've got to completely neutralize him. He's too good. Mm-hmm. And the Chiefs are really smart about moving him around, and they walk linebackers up so that the offensive line has to account for that linebacker, and it's one-on-one. And You're not going to neutralize. There's going to be a couple plays in this game where he just blows the play up, where he blows by a guard. He, blow, you know, he blows past a tackle because they will put him outside occasionally. But if you're Philly, you can't let him wreck the game. You know, if he walks out of this game and he has a sack and two tackles for loss, okay, you know, depending upon when those plays are, especially if they're early and down, you can live with that. What you can't have happen is with Cincinnati let happen where he's got two sacks and three tackles for loss. And he's, it, it, it just becomes where your offense really can't function. Um, and you know, Philly's going to double him whenever they can, and they're going to hope that, uh, you know, they're forcing Frank Clark and George Karloftis and, and Carlos Dunlap and company to beat him. And, and maybe they will, maybe they won't. But, but you'll take your chances with that if you're Philly. You don't, you don't want to take that chance for Chris Jones. Two real quick questions for you before I let you go. What player or players are you looking at that that can be kind of, that are slipping under the radar but could make a, a real difference Sunday? Yeah, I think for Philadelphia, it's going to be Goddard. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs are going to play a lot of aggressive fronts, but they're going to leave the two high safeties back. Because I think the Chiefs game plan this game is going to be a look. We're not letting you run the ball. If you're going to beat us, it's going to be on these quick little passes to the backs, and you're going to have to get open in space. And then it's also going to be, if you're throwing these receivers, it's going to be these short and intermediate routes. It's going to be these these little goal balls down the sideline where, you know, essentially we have 13 defenders on the field because we're going to press them toward the, toward the sideline. Um I don't think the Chiefs are going to let them get deep with the receivers. So I think it's going to be a lot of, okay, short and immediate. And that is where Goddard could feast. You know, wonder how the Chiefs are going to defend them. My guess is you're going to see a lot of three safety looks. I'm going to put just Justin Reed down the box. Um, the other side of it, I think for the Chiefs, Kadari Tony's a guy who could have a huge game. Like, I don't know if he will. I, I, could, I could easily see it being a game where Kadari Tony doesn't do much. Uh, he's in battle on a hamstring injury, an ankle injury, but he's also the kind of guy who could have a game where he goes nine catches and 170 yards and a touchdown, and, and you would be shocked. He has that kind of ability. So I think those are two guys that could, that could really shake the game up. Final one for you then, and and this is a slightly loaded question, but what will how will we look at these teams if either one wins on on Sunday, so how are we going to view Mahomes and, and Andy Reid, and 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 how are we going to view the Eagles after what what has been a a great year for them? Yeah, you know, I think look, if Philadelphia wins, you know, you look at them and say, okay, you know, they've arrived. They're one of the big kids on the block, and I think you'll look at them in a similar way to um, you know past champions, where you say, okay, you know, this is a team that with this coach and this quarterback and with their youth, um, they should be good for a long time. I mean, like they got some offensive uh, age in Kelsey and Lane Johnson, but they. They've got some youth, too. They just signed Brown. Smith is a young guy. Goddard's a young guy. Um, you know, defensively, you know, they've got some free agents they are going to have to try to resign. Guys like Gardner Johnson and Hargrave um, and Bradbury. But, you know, the Eagles are really talented. And, and Howie Roseman's done a hell of a job. I think if they win, you kind of look at it as like the dawn of a, of a contender for a long time to come. If the Chiefs win, I think you'll look at it and say, yeah, they're they're maybe on their way to being a dynastic-type team. I, I don't know that I'd say they're a dynasty yet if they win. But I think, I think what it would really do with Mahomes is for the rest of Mahomes' career, if they win this game on Sunday, it's just about his legacy. That's it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think there's anything else. He's got nothing to prove. I mean, if he wins the Super Bowl, what, what is out there left? I mean, think about I'll leave it at this. This is the entire list 
of quarterbacks who have won multiple Super Bowls as a starter and multiple MVPs. Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, Tom Brady. Peyton Manning, I mean, Manning, Brady, Montana, Mahomes, if you win Sunday, joins that list. That's that's quite some company to join, and I, and I think that's a a great place to leave it. Well, enjoy the game Sunday, and um, maybe we can look having you on after to break it all down. And and thanks for jumping on. Yeah, absolutely, no problem. Take care. Great stuff. Thank you.